0: Singing sounded absolutely amazing this morning. Thank you so much for always singing out, singing praises to God. Such an encouragement to all of us. You know, if there's one place that most people don't want to be, it's last place. I'm pretty sure that nobody woke up this morning or any morning and thought to themselves, you know what, today I can't wait to finish last. I hope, I hope today I am picked very last place. I, I tell you what, I hope everywhere I go this week, I am the very last person in line. I absolutely love being last. doesn't even sound normal to say it. No, because we are a, per, a people who love to be first. First place, not last place. Because in first place you get the biggest trophies in first place you get the biggest bonus checks in first place you get the best social status I mean this life this life is all about the hard work you put into it right you get out of this life what you put into this life and if you wanna finish first buddy you gotta work harder than all the rest that's the way it is that's the way it's always been first place is where you want to be well that may be true in our life but jesus said that it's not that way in the kingdom of god what jesus said in matthew 19 and verse 30 was but many who are first will be last and the last first And then you go down a few verses later to Matthew 20 and verse 16, and there Jesus said, so the last will be first, and the first last. Obviously, there's a very important spiritual truth that Jesus is wanting us to see here and to understand for Him to make this same statement so close to one another. Obviously, there is a great spiritual importance when it comes to the life of those who would follow Jesus that the first should be last, and the last should be first. But what does it mean? Well, I think to explain it, Jesus told the story in between these two statements. He told a parable right between these two sentences. And I'm sure you remember the parable that there were some laborers who went out early in the morning because what they wanted, they wanted to work a whole day's work So they could get a whole day's pay. Now a whole day's pay was only about a denarius, which wasn't a lot of money, but it was a pretty common standard of money in that particular day and time. It put food on the table. It take care of your general expenses. So here's this group of individuals who've gone out early and they've been picked early in the morning and they're about to go work this whole day and be paid this denarius that they've been promised Let's, let's look at the story together because I, I'm sure that they were really excited as they started their day because they had been chosen first. I'm going to pick up in Matthew 20, verse 1. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour, the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, why do you stand here idly all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. Those good feelings that they probably had when they were starting the day, excited for the opportunity to be able to work a whole day and get a whole day's pay, those feelings of, of excitement soon went away. And they turned into feelings of, of anger. And resentment. Why? Because by the end of the day, they felt like they should be paid more than what they were getting paid. Was it because the, the foreman? Was it because the, the owner of the house? Did he break his promise? I know sometimes that happens with with bosses, right? They don't always do what they say they're going to do. No, that didn't happen at all. He honored his promise. He, he paid them the denarius that, that they were owed. That they had agreed upon. So what was the issue? Why were they upset? They were upset because all of these other people who had come in throughout the day got the same thing. Now let's stop and think about this from maybe our perspective. Maybe we too could go, I could see them being upset about that. Maybe not for the guys who came in three hours into the day, but Look, those that came in the 11th hour, (laughs) those that came in and only worked one hour, compared to those who had worked all day long, they had worked a long, grueling 12-hour day, and now they're going to get paid the exact same thing that that individual who only works one hour is going to get paid? Ooh, man. What is it we would say? That's not fair. Now, mamas and daddies, all of us work really hard to teach our children that life's not fair, don't we? But we don't always learn the lesson ourselves. <laughs> that life isn't always fair. And that's a very important thing to remember. But as we'll see in a few moments, God is. Life may not be fair, but God is always fair you say I I can kind of understand why they would have got so upset let's see how it plays out those hired about the 11th hour came each of them received a denarius and now when those who were hired first they thought they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius and on receiving it they grumbled at the master of the house saying these last worked only one hour You've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. There's no doubt that this equal pay caused some unnecessary problems amongst the workers. But there's also something else that we see here. You know, this this landowner, the master of the house, he really hurt his own bottom line, didn't he? I mean, for those of us who are here today, maybe you're kind of shrewd when it comes to money. And maybe you think as you read this story, why would you pay them all of the day's wage when they didn't work the whole day? He could have done what? He could have made a lot more profit had he just paid them what they deserved. And that's very true. But in the generosity of this landowner, the master of the house in this generosity what you see is that he cares much more about people than he does profit and that's a very important thing to remember he replied to one of them friend I'm doing you no wrong did you not agree with me for a denarius take what belongs to you and go I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity?" There's no doubt that his generosity showed that he had a heart for people, that the the master of the house had a very big heart for people. But it wasn't just his generosity that showed this. I think his hiring practices also showed what a big heart he had for people. You go back to those hiring practices just for a moment again. Think about this. He went out to the marketplace, not once, not twice, not three times. He went out to the marketplace five times that day to see if there were people who wanted to be hired. Five times. Was he just a really bad project manager? <laughs> like, did he just not know at the start of the day about how many people he would need to work the vineyard for the course of that day? No, that wasn't it at all. He had a really big heart. Again, he cared more about people than about profit. So five times that day, he went out. He went out searching for those in the marketplace who wanted to work. You go down to verse 6 you'll notice that he asked those who had been there up until the 11th hour, only one hour left in the day, and he asked them, why do you stand here idle all day? In other words, he's saying, are y'all like those folks who stand around with the big signs that say we'll work for food, but at the end of the day you just want to hand out? Is that who y'all are? And they say, no, we're only here because no one's hired us. We want to work. We want to work. But no one has yet given us the opportunity. No one has yet hired us. Why? Why has no one hired them? Let's say that you run this great big vineyard. And you're going to need workers for the day. And you go out to the marketplace at 6 a.m. And you're looking for people to work in your vineyard. What are you probably looking for? You're looking for big, strong, young, healthy, capable individuals. That's who you're looking for. Those are going to be the first picked, right? Right? Because you're going to go out and you're going to see those individuals and you're going to say, man, yeah, they can do what needs to be done to get through this day of work. They can handle it. They are the best for the job. So by the time you get to the end of the day and you have people who are still willing to work, but they haven't been picked yet, why not? Maybe they're the older, the more forgotten, maybe they're sickly, maybe they're disabled, there could be any number of reasons, but they've been overlooked, they weren't chosen, now this vineyard owner, because of his generosity, it would have made sense, wouldn't it, for him to just say, Bless y'all's hearts. I know y'all are having a hard time. Look, I got plenty of money. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give y'all a denarius. And, and, I, and just y'all just go on home, take care of your family, and maybe you can find a job tomorrow. That would have made sense. That would have made sense to any one of us. But he didn't do that. He hired them. He hired them to work the very last hour of the day. Well, what do you think those who hadn't been picked yet, the leftovers, what do you think they're going to be able to accomplish in the, the hour that they have left in that day? By the time they get there, by the time they get to work, how much are they really going to get done? Why did he do it? This landowner, this master of the house, who is so generous with all that he has. Yes, he wants to be able to provide so that people can put food on the table for their family. He wants to help meet their physical needs, but I believe he also wants to help meet emotional needs. He wants these people to be able to still have a a sense of dignity, a sense of self-worth about themselves. I think that's why you don't just see this, this simple, easy handout in this situation he decides he wants to hire those who nobody else has wanted. And he wants to treat them just like the ones who were picked first that day. That's a beautiful, beautiful spirit. That's the nature and the heart of our God. And that is what really upset the ones who were chosen first. It wasn't that the other guys got the same amount of money. Did you notice what their complaint was? When we read it a moment ago, they said, you've made them equal to us. That runs a little deeper than just you're paying them the same. They can't do what we can do. They weren't picked first. They aren't the MVPs. They aren't the most valuable. They aren't the most worthy. We are. We came first. We are the most important ones. We are the most valuable. And you are going to make them equal with us? So what does this story have to do with us then? How should it impact you and I as children of God's? I think there's two really big takeaways that we should all see here. Two things that maybe, maybe we all struggle with from time to time that there is absolutely no place for in the kingdom of God. There's no place for arrogance, and there's no place for envy within the kingdom of God. The story itself, again, keeping it in its context of where we see it in Scripture, the story itself, I believe, came as a result of a question that Peter had asked. Oh, Peter, I know. Peter's so often involved in these moments where he says something, he kind of sticks his foot in his mouth, right? But it suddenly becomes a big teaching moment for not only him, but for everybody else, including you and I. The question that Peter had basically asked Jesus was hey, what are we going to get out of all this? Can you imagine? Let's let Peter phrase it. He phrases it so much better. You back up to Matthew 19. This is verse 27. Peter said in reply, See, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Lord, you know, uh, working in your vineyard isn't always everything it's cracked up to be. Lord, you know, We've sacrificed a lot. We've left a lot to follow you. Lord, uh, matter of fact, don't want you to forget, but we were the first, right? We were the first to follow you. And and most of us dropped everything to do that. So listen, I'm just going to ask what everybody else is thinking. (laughs) What do we get out of it? What is our reward? So Jesus told him. Picking up there in verse 20, 28, Jesus said to them Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Wow. Hey, now that is a compensation package that is truly out of this world. Everything that I've left for you, a hundredfold, eternal life, it's going to be mine. This is my reward. Awesome. And it is awesome. But I believe Jesus knew. He knew that this knowledge could also be dangerous. (laughs) This knowledge, knowing that you're going to sit on one of these twelve thrones and and you're going to be judging the the twelve tribes and you're going to have eternal life and you're going to have a hundredfold what you left. This knowledge, it might just cause somebody to think a little bit more of themselves than they should. So he follows this With the reality that the last, the last will receive the same as the first. That the last are no less worthy, no less valuable, no less important than those who came first. To help balance out that struggle with, well, with arrogance. I think all of us in our human nature... I think we all struggle at times with thinking a bit too much of ourselves. I think all of us sometimes, we need that reminder that the world and the universe does not revolve around us as much as we may hope and act as if it does. No. There's no place for arrogance in the kingdom of God. It's, It's not here. It's not supposed to be here. And it certainly won't be in eternity we're going to be like christ the opposite of arrogance is humility and that's who we've been called to be a very humble people who don't mind letting others come before us who, who don't mind putting the the needs and wants of others ahead of ourselves that's the mind of christ So there's no place in the kingdom for arrogance, but there's also no place in the kingdom for envy. I think it's common, again, to struggle with envy. I think it's common sometimes to look at other people in this life who aren't living the way Jesus would want them to live, and maybe financially their life has been blessed more than yours, or maybe in a state of prominence their life has been blessed more than yours, and you look at them sometimes and you kind of shake your head, and you're like, I don't get it. I don't get why they have this. And I don't. And you start to feel a little bit of envy for those type of things. And I believe that's why this story then becomes so very important because it serves as a reminder that you and I don't get to pick who God blesses and who He doesn't. That God is all-powerful and all good things come from Him. And He has he has the ability to bless whomever, however he wants. That's a him thing, not a me thing. And I need to remember that. And just like that landowner and the story Jesus told, and just like those who have been working for 12 hours, I don't need to question his generosity, but rather just appreciate the fact that he is a very generous God. Now, if there are moments when you struggle with envy, I want to remind you of a couple things. A couple things to take to heart, and then the lesson will be yours. If you do ever find yourself struggling with any type of envy, first of all, remember this, and I mentioned this a few moments ago. Remember that God is fair. He is. God is fair. And I think that's especially important to remember maybe on days when again, as you labor in the vineyard of the Lord, you go, oh, is it worth it? Is it? I mean... No one seems to really appreciate what I'm trying to do. I don't really see lives being changed the way I thought they would be changed. And I'm starting to get frustrated. And I'm starting to get tired. And I'm starting to get weary. And I'm wondering why bother. Why should I bother continuing to do for the Lord what I do for the Lord? Because it just doesn't seem like it's all working out. God is there. Hebrews 6 and verse 10 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his saints, or excuse me, shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. God's fair. You, you will receive, you will share in all the blessings of God. As long as you don't quit on God. If you ever reach that point where you're so frustrated, you're so envious, you're so fed up that you just finally say, oh, that's it, I'm done. Don't expect to receive the blessings of God when you walk away from God. But if you hang in there, if you persevere, if you, if you don't quit on the Lord and His work and His church, He'll remember because He's fair. But secondly, I want you to remember that God is more than just fair. If God were just fair, none of us would have a chance. Every one of us would be staring into the depths of hell as a result of our own sin. None of us would stand a chance of heaven. But because God is more than fair, we have hope. We have hope, because we serve a God who is rich in mercy. And we serve a God who allowed His Son to come to this earth and to be that, that sacrifice on the sins, for, or sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And, and in doing so, what what does it prove? it proves that the relationship between the the broken and the sinful and the unwanted, it can be restored once more. That God wants that relationship. And He wants it so much that He allowed His Son to die so that relationship would be possible. Paul wrote in Ephesians, God is fair. God is more than fair. We keep laboring, we keep working in the vineyard, and there is an immeasurable reward that's awaiting us. And it doesn't matter if we if we get in this relationship with God, if we start working in the 12th hour or the 11th hour. What matters is that we start working. That's what matters. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never given your, le- your life to God. Maybe you've never surrendered your past sins at the foot of the cross and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You can do that today. The water's ready for you. Or maybe as a child of God's, I don't know, maybe it's been, maybe it's been envy. Maybe it's been any number of sins that you've just let get a hold of you that have pulled you away from that relationship with God and you've just forgotten You've forgotten how rich in mercy God is and how awesome He is, how amazing He is, how loving He is. You've forgotten about that relationship that He wants to have with you. And you walked away from Him at some point. Come back to Him today. Come back to Him today before it's eternally too late. You see, you can come to God and you can come back to God as long as the day is today. But whenever our time on this earth is no more, or the Lord returns, whichever might happen to come first, then it will be too late. If we can help you, once you come as we stand and sing?